Hello everyone, welcome to the episode 72 of Solar Saturday. The guest we have today, Alex Greenwood, is a veteran public relations professional with a national reputation for effective crisis communication, public relations, marketing, social media strategy, and management consulting. Alex's Mission is to help clients solve their public image and marketing challenges with successful strategies for reaching new audiences and dealing with adversity. Alex is a speaker and trainer on numerous subjects, including PR, public relations, marketing, and publishing. Since 1995, he has managed or worked on crisis communications teams during terrorist attacks, severe weather events, criminal investigations, civil legal actions, and more. He is a regular, regular contributor for social media and communication topics on CBS television's Better Kansas City show. Since 2010, his firm AGPR has managed PR and marketing strategies for clients in the entertainment, financial services, healthcare, retail, manufacturing, higher education, non-profit, and government sectors. Alex is a producer and host of the popular public relations and business podcast, PR After Hours, and the mysterious Going On podcast, which focuses on creativity. Wow. He is the author of the acclaimed John Pilot mystery series, published by Carolyn Street Press, and Kickstarter Success Secrets, a non-fiction ebook detailing his experience successfully crowdfunding the publishing costs of one of his books. Wow, so many things actually and quite interesting career journey. So let's just welcome him and hear more about his career journey. How did he find his area of interest and managing to lead that? Hello, Alex. Very happy to have you on the show and really appreciate all your time and consideration being on the show. Hi, Alicia. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. And I'm also looking forward to this the conversation because it is a lot more about the PR, public relations and the marketing, which I'm also quite interested in. So the first section that we have is passion or the interest. So how did you find your interest in this field and what motivates you to be in this field every day? And I've been doing this for about, well, I've had my career for about 27 years. Yeah. Um, when I started, it's interesting, in graduate school, I studied public relations, but I left graduate school to uh, take a job at a newspaper. And I worked uh, at a newspaper uh, as a reporter and as an editor, and then eventually a general manager for about three and a half years. And at that point, I decided I want to go ahead and get into PR uh, for real. That's what I wanted to do all along. I enjoyed journalism very much, but I wanted to get into PR. And I think the, the thing I like most about PR is that, and it's a kind of a cliched answer, but it's true, um, public relations professionals help people and organizations and brands tell their story in an effective way. Okay. And that's a challenge and it's a fun challenge. And what I like about it, since I've had my own um, agency the past 11 years, okay. is that no two days are, are, are alike. I have different clients and they have different needs. and so. I'm 
probably one of those people who gets bored fairly easily. Uh -huh. So it's great that I have variety. So that's that's what that's what gets me going every day. Wow, that's great actually. So you definitely found your interest very early. And that definitely shows that, you know, you are managing well since past 27 years. So thank you so much for sharing that. Moving towards our next section is about questions from the audience where we have two shortlisted questions under this segment. First question that we have is, what is PR? Does PR drive marketing or does marketing drive PR? Well, that's kind of a trick question these days, but I'll, if you had asked me this question 25 years ago, um, I would I would have taking the last part of your question first for just a second. I I would have said that um, PR and marketing were so far apart that they often didn't speak well together, and their efforts could be really diminished because of this. So let me go back to the first part of the question, and that hopefully will make sense when I get there. So PR public relations is as I said previously, it, it's an ethical, intelligent way to help brands, organizations, and people tell their story. Uh, and to do so without paying for it, essentially. I mean, you're paying for a PR guy like me or you're paying for, you know, a PR department. But what we do is we focus on gaining earned media for clients, whether that be news media or nowadays social media. It's, it's all blended together. But uh, so that's like the short answer for what PR is. Um, as I tell my clients a lot, and especially when they're new and I'm onboarding them, I say, just remember, I can't guarantee you the front page of the newspaper. I can't guarantee I'll get you on television. What I can guarantee is I will get you, I will give you the best chance possible with my skills and my contacts and, and hopefully some creativity. Now, what I think though, and what we've seen the past 25 years though, is PR and marketing getting closer and closer to the fact to the point now where it's almost a blurred line in many organizations. Like they're like together, and I think that's good to a degree. And I'll tell you why. You you'd probably expect an older guy like me who's been around for a little bit to say that's bad, you know. But I don't think so because I spent a good number of years with my public relations efforts kind of butting up against the marketing team's efforts in a bad way or not an effective way. So what I see now is who, you're asking me, who does it drive, who drives marketing or PR or does marketing drive PR? I, I think the good news is they can both sit in the front seat of the car together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That's great. So it is more over like they run parallel, like together, kind of. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for sharing that. And definitely that is insightful. Uh, second question that we have is that what goes under the strategic communication? Strategic communication is, um, you know, it's the big picture. It's the big thrust. What I tell my clients is we need to come up with your public relations strategy. And that can be tied to uh, an overall campaign or it could be a yearly thing. But for example, if um, if a client is a new app developer, let's say, and uh, they, they said that we're brand new, we don't have any real PR going yet. I say, okay, we need to create a strategy. And the strategy is going to have several points. Here's one of the main points. We need to establish your company and the people who run it, you people who are the developer, you who are the CEO. All, we have to establish your credibility in the market. So that means we're going to find ways as a PR company to to show off how smart you are, basically, how credible you are, 
right? So that's a part of that strategy would be, okay, let's highlight and how great the people who are part of the app company, we'll, we'll try to get think pieces written for them. We'll try to get them interviewed by business papers or um, get them speaking engagements or get them on some social media to show off how smart they are, right? That's the first part of a strategy. So then the other part of the strategy would be, okay, let's talk about the individual apps and let's find ways that we can highlight those apps. And so that's the big overarching strategy is we're just rolling out this company, right? So our strategy for the first year is to one, make all the smart people look smart because they are, but show everybody how smart they are. And two, show that show off the products and the science and what they're doing so that we can put that together. So that's the strategy. Uh-huh. But the tactics, then you get down to the tactical level, which you didn't ask me about, but just so people know, tactics are the pieces of the strategy. If the strategy is an umbrella, the tactics are, the, are parts of the handle. So that's what you do there. Uh-huh. Wow, that is a good one, actually. And uh, definitely that is really, very useful. Because nowadays, I feel everybody is trying to establish their brand, whether it is a personal brand or a professional brand. Uh, people realize the value of having that kind of a brand, even though they don't go on the larger scale, it's good to have kind of right on the, uh, on their personal level as well. So thank you so much for sharing and uh, moving towards our next section is a fun segment, which is kind of, you know, retain, retaining more audience uh, kind of uh, engagement. So the fun segment is about, I'm going to give you three keywords, which has, which are like more or associated with your profile. And you have to tell me what comes to your mind immediately after that. Like, you know, whenever you hear those words, immediately whatever comes to your mind. So it can be any replacement keyword or it can be a short abstract definition kind of. So are you ready? I'll do my best. Okay. So the first word we have is public relations. Storytelling. Second word is marketing. Fusion. I don't know why the word fusion came to mind, but that's the word that came to mind. I probably because I think of marketing as being the fusion uh, between PR and straight advertising. That might be why. Yeah, that makes sense as well. And uh, third word is social media. (laughs) Dangerous. (laughs) Why? Because for a time, for several years, we managed a lot of communities and there's lots of great opportunities on social media to, to, to do positive things, but there's lots of opportunities through mistakes or misunderstanding to do damage to a uh, brand or an organization. And, you know, we, not that we did a lot of damage to anybody, but we've seen it. And I, and, you know, there's so many examples when I give my crisis communication talks, for example, there's a whole section on why social media is a double-edged sword and you gotta be really careful with it. So I think that's why I thought dangerous. Oh, okay. Okay. And that is a good one, actually. I'll ask the question around the crisis communication in the next segment. So the okay. next segment that we have is uh, about exploring your career work and volunteering. So you're, you are actually host of two podcasts. And I can see from your voice as well and the tone, the way you are speaking. So would you like to share how they differ and what's unique about each one of those podcasts? Sure. I should say that I've podcasted off and on since 2006, though. That's been a long time. I've had a number of shows, but there's two shows, as you mentioned, uh, that are up right now. The first one's called Mysterious Goings On, and I started that in 2006. And 
that was just my personal exploration of creativity and writing. I'm a writer on the side. I write mystery novels. I have seven mystery novels, and uh, I wanted to talk about that. And then it's over the years, it's morphed into an, a, a show that's got a life of its own where I'm interviewing new authors. I've interviewed two just today, as a matter of fact, for the show. Um, it's it's my baby. It's it's really not something that I do to get PR clients. I don't do that with that. It's just to support the creative side of me and the PR uh, is the second thing. But the, it helps me support my work as a writer. And, and I learn things because I get to interview wonderful people. And then I often will do monologues where I just talk about what's on my mind, uh, where I test a lot of people's patience. But um, the, other episode, the other program I started a year ago in January. So it's, oh gosh, we're up to... Uh, 15 months here. It's called PR After Hours. And it's the whole idea of it is if you were, if you and I, Alicia, were getting together and having a glass of wine after work or a cup of coffee, right? And we're just talking as professionals, right? So I'll, I'll inter, you know, I interview you, but it's really just like you and I are having right now. We're having a conversation, right? And, and we talk about that. And so I get experts on, that's usually on the Tuesday. And then on a Thursday edition, it's just me without a tip or two. Like, uh, like I, I just, this week alone, I just gave some information I read about uh, uh, how podcasting has fared over the past uh, de uh, past year because of COVID. So I like, I'll just give that information. That might be a four minute episode, whereas the uh, interview episode could be 20, 25 minutes. So that's what's unique. So the, the PR after hours one has been very beneficial though. It's helped me get clients. It's helped me um, burnish my credentials. Is this here? You, are we hearing an echo of something I said earlier? because it's part of my overall strategy, kind of like being on shows like this to let everybody know that finally, after about 25 years of working, I know a few things and I want to share them. So it's, it's, it's a great time. I love doing both of them, although it is a lot of work. And uh, uh, yeah, I have to like, uh, I have to try to record a bunch of uh, interviews and kind of get them in the can and then stretch them out so I can have a few weeks without having to worry about interviewing people because it's, it's a lot of work because I don't like to I'm sure you feel the same way. I don't want to interview somebody if I don't know anything about them. And if they're an author, I want to read their book or as much of it as I can. Um, I don't want to just sit down and go, who I got today, you know, and then hope for the best. So anyway, it's a lot of energy, but it's worth it. And I invite all of you watching to please listen. PR After Hours and Mysterious Goings On. Yes, I would also encourage actually because I heard, listened to a couple of episodes and that is a great one. So I am a kind of a first, like, you know, beginner level uh, podcaster. So I, I always get a chance to meet different hosts, actually, and I'm learning from their podcasts as well. So really appreciate your time uh, on this show. And one more thing we just uh, mentioned is that about the crisis communication. So would you like to elaborate more on that part, actually, to the audience so that they can understand? Because there are a lot of types of communications, but when it comes to the crisis communication, what do you mean by that? And... Uh, uh, what message would you like to tell to the people from that kind of a communication? Well, as I, I keep talking about in this discussion is that there, there are so many things that can go wrong for a brand, an organization, or a person. Uh, and crisis communications typically involves a situation where something bad has happened mm -hmm. and it has cre therefore created a crisis. For example, um, if um, there, there's crises just rolling day after day, it seems these days. Uh, but for example, there's a there's a classic example. It's about 10 or 12 years old from when uh, BP oil 
the Deepwater Horizon oil platform in the Gulf of Mexico exploded. It polluted the entire Gulf. It killed people. And BP's response to it was terrible. They weren't prepared. Their CEO didn't really know how to communicate well with the media. It created a real bad situation. Well, what I, what I do now is I try to prevent that. So I offer a service for my clients where I will help you develop a plan. And I, I just completed one for a client. It's a local client. They, they, uh, a local, anyway, it's an environmental firm. They built, they do things for uh, office and home environments. And what we did was particularly with COVID, the situation, they had people going into people's offices and homes. So they wanted to make sure that we had every possible base covered in case something went wrong with COVID. So for example, if a technician were to go to someone's home, masked up, doing what they're supposed to, did their work and left, but then they got a call the next day from the client, the customer saying, we have COVID. We didn't know it yesterday when the tech was here. You know, that creates a mini crisis, right? It escalates into a very bad crisis if our technician got sick, had to go to the hospital or heaven forbid died so what we do is we, we would teach we we had a plan set up where we have everything from the the initial statement ready to go for a variety of scenarios all the way up to escalating to fact sheets and setting up a landing page for for up-to-date information from the company on all the crisis that's just one example but the main thing about crisis communications sorry i don't mean to get too granular but the main important thing about crisis is being prepared so that if something bad happens you respond to it in a way where it doesn't get out of control because i'll tell you this and i tell this to all my clients i tell this whenever i speak it's not a question of if it's when bad things are going to happen in life so the the choice is yours be prepared you can pay me now or pay me later the other thing that happens just to follow that thought is i often get calls from people in the midst of a crisis oh my gosh i did something wrong here it is. Can you help me talk to the news media? Can you help me formulate a plan? Can you help me write an apology? And I've done all those things. And trust me, you'd rather have a plan ahead of time to prevent these things. And that's, so I do both of those things. It's uh, it's very interesting work. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And that is really very uh, interesting to know about crisis communication, because I think Thank you. Uh, whether it is an individual or it is a organization level, uh, everybody needs to be prepared for the worst situations in life. So thank you so much. And uh, moving towards our next section is about tips and advice. So any tips or advice would you like to give to the students or the professionals who are looking to get into this area and grow in it or looking this field as their long-term career option? I would tell anybody interested, students, uh, to make sure that you can write and write well. Not everybody is born a great writer and that's okay, but the ability to communicate on the written level is the foundation of public relations work. Because okay. think about this, even though we don't do press releases the same way we used to, we still do them. Um, we write pitches to the news media. We have to write statements, as I mentioned, to the public if something goes wrong for a client. If you're not clear and concise with your writing skills, you're not an effective communicator. And it's very hard for somebody in public relations to succeed if they cannot do the very basic thing, which is to write well. Now, uh, so as I said earlier, not everybody's born a gifted writer and that's okay. But just like just about everything, practice makes not perfect, but practice can get you better and better and better. So my, my main tip, and I know it's a boring tip for a lot of people is, oh, really? But 
learn to write well, practice, practice, practice. Um, here's a, here's a way to do some of this stuff. Develop some muscle memory in your brain. Okay. Seriously. Um, look for some good examples of, let's say press releases, speeches, um, good stuff you've seen, the uh, good writing you've seen that would, that would fit within the public relations realm, good business writing, pull it up, print it out. And you retype all that stuff yourself. The more you do that, the more it will train your brain. Now you, I can't, you can't just do it once and, oh, I'm finished. I'm good. I'm a great writer. But if you do it enough, it's a good practice. Just set aside maybe 10 minutes a day to type up somebody else's press release. I guarantee you, you will improve because you'll start going, oh, that sentence construction. I see how that works. Now, um, you'll start to get a sense for, oh, wow. Okay. This press release I found on a crisis. Now I see how they do that. Trust me. It's a good tip. It'll work for you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, uh, moving towards our last segment, which is like a closure segment for this episode is leadership. And while talking about the crisis communication, definitely I saw one quality, which is being responsible as a leader. So, yeah. What is your, like you are truly leading your area of interest. So what is your leadership style and any specific leader that you always follow or admire and why? Thank you. I, I, I am, I have led uh, teams, you know, I've, I've had people under me for like 10 people that direct answer direct to me. And then I've been on, on a team where I, or I wasn't on a team. I was part of management. So hundreds of people didn't answer directly to me, but I had consulting authority over them. So, and, and then I've just worked for myself. I've done all of those things. So I have to lead myself too, right? Okay. Part of leading yourself is getting out of bed and getting to work, but that's not what you're asking. Um, but when I'm working with a team and that includes when a lot of times when clients hire me, they become, I become part of their team, right? Just for that time. Mm -hmm. I am their, their, their fractional PR director or PR vice president for a while or something. What I do, I try to find consensus as much as possible, but some people misinterpret finding consensus, which is like, oh, let's all get along. They, they think that's that's compromising too much. And that's not what I mean. But the way to find consensus, I think the number one way, and it served me well in my entire career, all the way from back when I was a newspaper editor with my staff all the way up till now, was making sure people feel heard. I can't tell you how, I, I don't have to tell you, I'm sure we've all been there, right? How, how people, if they're not listened to, if they're not heard, even if they're, I hate to say wrong, but even if what they're saying is not going to work, they need to be heard. And I don't mean every minute. If we're in the middle of a crisis and somebody who doesn't really have an experience jumps up and says, I have an idea. I'd be like, that's great, but the house is burning and I just can't hear that one right now. But in general, when you're leading, you're listening. Right. Mm -hmm. But when a decision has, to, then when a decision is made, you've taken that all on board. You've considered it as part of your decision making and you make the decision. This has happened before. I had staff who, who came up to me after a decision was made and said, well, you know, I didn't agree with you, but I appreciate the fact that you, you let me make my case. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, and have, and not half the time, but often if you listen to people, you're going to find at least a piece of what they're saying that you could probably integrate mm -hmm. in what you're doing and to make things better. I just, I've never been fond of the, uh, the dictator type leader who just, this is my way. I don't really care what you think. Just get to work. I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a sustainable long-term. Um, I, I've, I've admired so many leaders over the years. I've, I've had, uh, I can name people you, you've never heard of who I worked for, but I'll just, can I just give you a quick, uh, yeah, sure. of, of somebody? 
when I was in 1995, this shows how old I am. Uh, my first real PR job, I was uh, in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, which is right in the middle of the United States. Mm -hmm. I'm in Kansas City now, which is, I, I'm saying that for people out there who may not know the United States, I don't know, but I know you do. But um, No, I also know New uh, York, so I would be happy to hear more. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so there, so real quick, just to, to, to lay this out. So I was working at uh, the medical school on the campus as in, in Oklahoma city, and there were some hospitals there and, um, there was a terrorist attack that destroyed a, a federal building about a mile away from where I was killed 167 people, men, women, and children. All the survivors were coming in waves to the hospitals where I worked. Um, I was 20, three years old, something like that, 24, my first real PR job. And uh, the guy I worked under, he was the director of PR for the hospitals, for three hospitals, basically. His name was Jake. And what I learned from him was he had this quiet dignity about him. And while everybody else was freaking out, and they should be freaking out a little bit because, my gosh, it's a terrorist attack. And this was the worst attack on America since Pearl Harbor in 1941. It was awful. It was a domestic terrorist, but still. But Jake, when everybody else in the room was getting heated and freaking out, Jake was just calmer and more calm and more calm and more calm. And I, I observed this for not just once, but for weeks. We had people, you know, and we had news media just swamping the hospitals, you know, everybody from everywhere, 600 different news outlets worldwide coming to our little town. And every time Jake, Jake was exhausted, I saw him, I saw him angry a few times, but only around us, not around newspaper, uh, newspaper people or media or anything like that. If he was angry, it was just irritation. He was just tired. We all were hungry, tired, just, you know, it's just, it just kept going. It was ongoing really for six months to a year, really. And I said to him once I said, uh, I remember we were, we were just kind of, it was after like about three weeks of this and I, we were having a cup of coffee in between some stuff, you know, just, just kind of getting our wits about us. And I said, Jake, I got to tell you something. He says, what's that? And I said, I admire the way you just, everybody else is getting really worked up and you just get calm. And he says, he says, Alex, they don't pay me to lose my head. Mm -hmm. They pay me to manage the situation. And I'll, I never forgot that. And uh, the, I'll tell you, I've never worked a crisis communications situation worse than that. And I hope to God I never do. But I have worked some pretty serious ones. And about five years ago, I was working one. And guess what happened? The CEO of the company I was working with, he pulled me aside and he says, I just appreciate how calm you are about all this. And I said, you know what I said, right? I said, well, you don't pay me to lose my head, do you? Wow. So... Yeah. 20, 20, 20 years later, I took the, the lesson I learned mm -hmm. and I put it to work. So I, that's the kind of leader I admire is somebody who um, remembers what their job is mm -hmm. and does it well under trying circumstances. Yep. Yep. And that's totally, you know, valid point. And I completely agree with you. Uh, and also one more point that you highlighted through the leadership is that, you know, your real experiences definitely value add to your profile, the way you were able to, uh, look into the situation later sometime when you got into the similar situation afterwards, yeah. uh, you learned something from the prior experience and, you know, uh, you were able to handle it very well. So that is also a very valid point. And a couple of points that you mentioned about leadership, I just, I'm going to highlight it because it's very important that, you know, a leader is able to listen what people under him thinks or what they're trying to say. Uh, and everybody should 
feel actually uh, free to like get that freedom to speak up uh, when they are working under a leader so that is a very valid thing and i totally agree with your leadership style and that, that is a really very strong leadership style to have so thank you so much for sharing all your insights and really appreciate all your time and consideration being on the show and sharing all your career experiences as well as the way you are leading your area of expertise thank you very much i'm very honored to been offered the chance to uh, tell you a few things i figured out in the past 25 years thank you so much yeah thank you so much and uh, wish you good luck with your future endeavors bye for now you too all right so that is all about alex greenwood and how he is managing to lead his area of expertise before we end this episode we are going to have a closure quote for this particular episode from al and laura ris which says it's public relations that needs to be creative it's public relations that needs to be new and different it's public relations that needs to be original the best way to establish a brand is to create a new category and creating a new category requires creative thinking of the highest order and on that quote we are closing today's episode see you guys in the next episode until we meet happy leading let's lead together stay safe bye for now